The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. When you need to know what's going on in the UK, David Curtin has his finger on the pulse. Today's News Talk, TNT. Hello, welcome to the David Curtin Show. Thank you so much for joining me today here on today's News Talk TNT. I want to talk about two things today, which I think have equal importance in different ways. And the first thing would not have happened without TNT. On the weekend, on the Lembit OPIC show, there was an incredible statement given in one of the interviews that he had. He interviewed Anne Widdicombe, who is well known. She used to be a Tory or fake Conservative MP, but left and joined a Brexit party, became a Brexit party MEP. And now she's hitched herself up to Reform UK, Richard Tice's outfit. We all know that Richard Tice pushed and promoted experimental injections during the injection lockdown period. He was seen talking to his deputy leader, David Bull, talking about how care home workers should take a jab if they wanted to keep their jobs. We've shown a video of that on um, on, a, on a show that I was on as well on TNT. Um, she made this statement, which I found absolutely extraordinary and was uh, going around social media yesterday. She said the government did not compare anyone to be vaccinated. This is the first thing we have to admit. I looked at that aghast, and I think this is something that really needs to be called out. She's normally quite sensible on a number of things, but on this, this statement is so wrong. The government did, maybe they didn't compel people by holding them down physically and sticking a needle into them, but they can coerce people with the worst possible propaganda and draconian and tyrannical regulations to get a jab, to get an experimental injection. You couldn't travel if you didn't have one. You couldn't get health care in some circumstances if you didn't have one. Hospitals wouldn't let you in. Sometimes they wouldn't operate on you um, if you didn't have an injection. And of course, we know the terrible no jab, no job regulations they brought in, which caused 40,000 care home workers to have to be, well, not to leave their jobs, they were effectively fired because of government regulations. And some of them I know did take a jab in order to keep their jobs and they immediately had adverse health effects. And some of them, I don't know specifically, but you can imagine looking at the statistics of excess deaths, some of them may have even been killed by these things. We need to stand firm against any rewriting of the narrative and rewriting of history, wherever it comes from. And this statement needs to be countered and called out because uh, it, it's, it simply is not true. We do not have to admit uh, that the government did not compel people to have an injection. That's exactly what they did. The second thing which I think is of great importance today is what is happening in Paris. There is a summit of NATO leaders and EU leaders all getting together. And in some of the press releases and press conferences before this, there has been a new escalation in the rhetoric and the saber rattling, the calls for war against Russia in Ukraine. This is dangerous as any escalation of what the West is doing in Ukraine is dangerous. We have had from the beginning 
the West sending billions of pounds and dollars and euros to the Zelensky regime. A lot of it has disappeared into a black hole, and a lot of it has been laundered back to buy weapons from military industrial complex firms in the West, particularly the United States. So some of the people who are lobbying governments and leaders in the West are actually benefiting financially from keeping this war going and prolonging the war. They don't care about the ordinary people of Ukraine. If they did, they would not have escalated this war from the very beginning. And we know, of course, that Boris Johnson went over to Ukraine. And as President Putin said in his interview with Tucker Carlson, he scuppered a peace deal, which could have been had in April 2022, a couple of months after the start of the special military operation. And then hundreds of thousands of people who have now died because we've kept it going. I say we, as the West, we have to hold our leaders to account and disassociate ourselves from people that are in our countries who are doing this terrible thing. If they weren't doing this, hundreds of thousands of people would still be alive today. And this conflict, this war would not be going on with the destructiveness that it, that it is. But they are calling for a greater escalation. And this is um, what Peter, sorry, Robert Fico, the uh, president, uh, sorry, the, the, the prime minister of Slovakia has said about the conference or summit that is going on today. Ahead of that, he says that there are some papers being laid that imply a number of NATO and EU member states are considering sending troops to Ukraine on a bilateral basis. So they're going to say, oh, this is not NATO, it's British troops or French troops or German troops or whatever nation's troops, soldiers are going to Ukraine to directly confront Russia in armed conflict. How people don't see that this is absolutely insane and idiotic is beyond me. But this seems to be what the leaders of NATO countries and EU countries are doing. As Peter Hitchens, the journalist, said, NATO seems to be now creating the very problem that it was made to avoid happening. That is a hot war with the East, first to the Soviet Union, uh, now obviously Russia. Russia could be our partner, even a friend, if we had got history right. But we have got history so wrong. And what we're doing, not, again, I say we, the leaders of the collective West, who I oppose in their escalation of war, are doing such a bad thing. They've got this so wrong. First of all, giving artillery to the Zelensky regime, and then armoured vehicles, HIMARS weapon systems, depleted uranium shells, storm shadow cruise missiles, and then they're talking about F-16s maybe turning up in the future, and now directly sending troops of the nation states of NATO to go there. Putin has warned, if this happens, then this will be, you know, there, there may be a, a severe response from the Russian side. Uh, we need to avoid this at all costs and circumstances. They are taking us and plunging and running headlong towards World War III. This is a dangerous escalation. We need to stand against it, call it out. And please, please, at the next election, vote for parties that don't want to escalate war. Maybe my party, the Heritage Party, certainly don't vote for Tory and Labour. 
and reform who want to escalate war in this country. We need to get on the off-ramp to from this conflict and make and seek peace. This is today's News Talk TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Welcome back to the David Curtin Show. I'm David Curtin and I have with me on this section of the show, Gemma Cooper, our resident news expert. Gemma, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. So interesting hearing that editorial because I'm thinking, well, yeah, we're part of NATO. They want to put troops, you know, in Ukraine. They're not going to find many in the UK because as we've been covering for weeks now here on TNT, the US, uh, the UK military is suffering the worst recruitment and retention crisis in its history. And, and all our former generals and current generals and majors are saying we haven't got a proper army. We haven't got an army or a navy or an air force that's fit for purpose. Um, so good luck with that, finding UK troops that actually want to go and, and UK troops that are capable of going, because certainly our naval troops, the Navy is so depleted now, they can't staff uh, ships and uh, properly. Uh, they haven't got the crew, they haven't got the manpower, uh, and the army is is losing people hand over fist. They're talking about 20,000 personnel going in the next few years. So they might want to put troops in from the UK, but uh, uh, they will struggle to find them. But of course, that's why the word conscription has been banded around now for the last couple of months. And I really, really hope we don't see that because I, I I don't see the appetite for British people uh, being being corralled into a war that they didn't ask for. No, absolutely. And there's absolutely no way that British people, British citizens should be conscripted to go and fight somebody else's war in East Ukraine or perhaps in Gaza or perhaps in Yemen, wherever else um, the powers that be in the UK are sending the military to take military action. I mean, if people were defending our own nation and defending our southern border on the English Channel and stopping boats coming across and lots of military aged men, that would be worth doing. That would be maybe worth joining the army army and the military for. But I mean, I, I don't blame anyone for not joining the armed forces in the UK at the moment when they actually might be sent over to the meat grinders of Bakhmut and Avdivka and Siversk and wherever else the front line is in eastern Ukraine. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we need to stop trying to be the world's policeman and trying to take the moral high ground on issues and conflicts where we have no moral high ground to stand on and get out of these conflicts and try to de-escalate them so people stop being killed. But, you know, the, the other thing as well about the armed forces is that they're so woke. You have um, you have people in uh, armed forces, race action association, I don't know if that's the exact name, something like that, is talking about how to increase diversity in the army and you know by having more people wearing rainbows that's not something that's going to inspire people who traditionally would have gone into the armed forces because they want to make a career and uh you know do something which perhaps is masculine but that's being demasculated emasculated at the moment which is another big problem for the armed forces Absolutely. It is a problem. There's many problems. I mean, to to kind of solve this issue, uh, just before I get on to talking about a, a, a quite an important story, actually, that's broken in the last uh, half an hour, is it, that they are now reducing fitness quotas and all kinds of other stringent 
um, a, a criteria that they would have applied to anyone applying to the army, for example. If you had asthma, no, you can't get into the British army. Uh, now you can. Well, yeah, but that was a reason for that because it might affect your performance. It might affect your ability to play as part of a team, as part of a unit, as part of a troop. Uh, all of these kind of restrictions are being relaxed. So even if they do get the figures that they want joining the British military, will they get the troops that they want? Will they get the the, the uh, quality that, that, that the British Army's forces around the world have been renowned for, for, for generations? I very much doubt it. Um, but uh, yeah, this this talk of NATO putting troops in, I wonder if it's just our country that this applies to, that this appetite for signing up for the military uh, and, and finding out that actually what you're fighting for is not uh, your country, but it's for corporate interests and for banks. You know, we just heard about the death of Jacob Rothschild in the last 24 hours. And look at the links with the banking system and the Rothschilds and the wars, you know, for, for decades and decades, if not hundreds of years. Um, you know, people are very savvy to how the world is run now. And do people want to risk their lives uh, for, for something that is essentially a false premise, a proxy war? A proxy war, which is what, definitely what we're talking about when it comes to Ukraine. So it will be very interesting to see how they put the troops on the ground for, from some countries, or the UK specifically, when there aren't enough troops to be had. Yeah, absolutely. But some countries in NATO are actually opposing escalation already. You have the Prime Minister of Slovakia there, of the Czech Republic, uh, Viktor Orban in Hungary is very much against it and is talking peace and some kind of settlement with Russia and has been doing for, for a very long time. And public opinion, I think, has very much swayed against extending this war in Ukraine, um, even though at the beginning there was massive propaganda to get people to support it. But that has just dwindled away. And now you look on you know, comments on any piece in any media outlet or any post on social media and the vast majority of the comments and the response to um, the war in Ukraine is no more money to the Zelensky regime. Let's get out. Let's stop this. And people realise, you know, there is no benefit to ordinary British people, to ordinary German or French or American or Canadian people from extending this war. This is only for the benefits of the interests of the powers that be who are either making money out of it or, you know, some people are talking about this is part of the new world order plan if you like they want to set up a smart country in ukraine the technology that the, the plans are already there to make ukraine one of the first places that has central bank digital currencies and smart cities and technology everywhere but also there are some people who want to use ukraine as a as a bridgehead to effect regime change in russia and uh, get Putin out of the way and turn Russia into 20 or so little statelets like Ukraine and like Belarus that be, can be controlled by the powers that be in the Pentagon. And, you know, I, I think uh, Putin can see that and he's not going to have it. And if this, he's not going to let that happen. So it, it really is, you know, uh, banging our, our heads against a brick wall, if you like, and uh, not, not the people, the powers that be, but they're banging the heads of innocent men who are being conscripted in Ukraine and potentially talking about conscripting people in Western Europe to go and Eastern Europe to go and fight there as well. Well, you know, I think agendas are, are actually are crumbling and they've been crumbling fast over the last four years since the madness of 2020. And I think this will be the one that has a kind of a litmus test on it because, you know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, 
you couldn't move for blue and blue and yellow flags yeah. being hoisted out of every window in the UK, much like the rainbow flags were hoisted out mm. during the scandemic. Those that I don't see any Ukrainian flags now. So I think, you know, that that narrative is beginning to shift. It's beginning to crumble. And just yeah. very quickly, because I know we're coming up to the break, but a story that's broken literally about 20 minutes before we came on air. Another narrative that's crumbling, of course, is the mainstream legacy media one. And just in the last half an hour, the BBC has announced it's been forced to apologize to the family uh, of the teenager that was at the center of the scandal of the Hugh Edwards saga from last year, where the, the veteran BBC presenter was accused of sending the teenager, you know, 35,000 pounds, if not more, allegedly, for in return for sexual images. Uh, and um, he, the family raised a complaint with the BBC last May. The complaint was summarily ignored. Uh, and so the family was so incensed and frustrated, they went to the tabloid press here in the UK. And that's how the whole story came to light. And Hugh Edwards has not been on BBC screen since. He's been suspended, still on full pay, I may add. But there's been a huge review and the BBC has been forced to apologise. I do think it's forced because uh, they could have easily dealt with this at the time. Uh, and, the, and a senior BBC executive today in the last half an hour has said, uh, we are aware that safeguards need to be enhanced and complaints dealt with more effectively. Uh, the report that's gone into this has established that the original complaint by the parents, I think it was, uh, was not escalated uh, quickly enough. Well, I mean, that's putting it mildly. I would just wager to you, David, that this has a whiff of Jimmy Savile all over it. I'm not suggesting mm. paedophilia or anything like that, but it's a very, very top level BBC presenter. Allegations were made and summarily ignored and dismissed by the BBC. But we live in a very different age now and the family took matters in their own hands and went straight to the media. And, and that's what brought the whole story out into the public domain. If the BBC had dealt with this internally at the time, you could argue Hugh Edwards would still be on BBC screens. Whether he deserves to is, is another matter. Hugh Edwards is still uh, suspended on full pay. As far as I'm aware, he still is in a mental health unit. I've heard no update on that since, since this whole story broke. But the BBC has climbed down. Today has apologised. That is something of a first, and I think shows that they have to gauge the public mood on this one because the public were mm. quite, uh, you know, rightly outraged at this story. Um, and it was it was a shock. It was a shock. But given the BBC's form with Savile, was it entirely a surprise? Hmm. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's certainly something we're going to catch up with, and uh, I'm sure we'll say more about this story in the, in days to come. It's a very um, important issue because the BBC gets public money, so they should uh, keep themselves to the highest of standards, which they haven't kept over many, many years, as we know. Gemma Cooper, thank you so much for joining me on the show, on the David Curtin Show today. This is today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. How did that impact you, that, that first year of studying and realizing you, I presume, were seeing something that was not only unprecedented, if not unbelievable, but unbelievably harmful? What did that cause you to do? I realized, really from the very beginning of the pandemic, that this was all um, pushed by propaganda. This, this, was, this wasn't science. This wasn't medicine. This was propaganda that was being pushed by the mainstream media. It was pushed by public health authorities that I knew to be corrupt from my you know, legal battles uh, before the pandemic. Uh, these were very corrupt individuals who were pushing these pandemic measures. Uh, and really, it seems like all proper medicine and science was just being thrown out the window to push 
a certain agenda and certain pharmaceutical products on the population. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number 4, My Say. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back to the David Curtin Show. I'm David Curtin here on today's News Talk, TNT. And I'm delighted to have with me on the show Mads Palsvig from Denmark. And Mads is the leader of the Prosperity Party in Denmark. I met Mads um, a few years ago at the start of the whole lockdown era when we created the World Health Alliance. And that was a fantastic thing that started um, in 2020. We were both there at the beginning, but we've both gone on to um, pursue political careers and uh, and uh, do what we can to fight for freedom in the UK and Mads also in Denmark. Mads, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Good to see you again. Really good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. How are things in Denmark? I mean, you run the Prosperity Party, which is a great name for a political party. I love it. How are things in the Prosperity Party and the situation in politics in Denmark at the moment? Well, we have a one-party system. And um, Mm. since uh, the the entire Danish parliament decided to uh, carpet bomb Libya, there, there has been no opposition to any question Ever since we have one party, oh, I mean, when I when I grew up, we used to have, um, you know, several uh, points of view. We had the the red and the blue. You even had some people in the middle uh, who, who would be against. Uh, sometimes we swaying from side to side. You really, I, I grew up with having a political debate when I was young. I mean, I was very right wing. I was pro Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan, and my uh, most of my friends were left wing. It was no big deal. We would be mm. arguing in class, and then afterwards we'll be best friends. Now that is not done anymore. If if you don't agree a hundred percent, you cannot be in the same room anymore. It's just the whole world mm. has changed in thirty years. I noticed that as well here in the UK. It's like you know, in the nineties when I was a young man, it was you know you you would mix with people from all different walks of life, all different groups, and all different opinions. But you go to the pub and have a drink, and it wouldn't matter. But yeah, these days. People are so purist these days. You know, I even have people saying, I agree with you on 99% of stuff, but there's this one thing I don't like, so I'm not going to support you anymore. Um, right. But when, when you say you've got one party state, is that one party that dominates or is that lots of different parties that have the same opinions? So there is no it's, difference it's of opinion the between them. Yeah. It's the latter. We right. have 12 parties or something like that, and they, they are allegedly blue, mm-hmm. red, green and alternative and anti-immigration but at the end of the day they all vote for the same thing they all think putin is hitler they all think uh, that vaccines are superb they all think it's a great idea to lock down the entire uh, country they 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 all um, are pro uh, bombing uh, gaza because israel has the right to defend itself but the palestinians do not have their right to defend themselves i mean it's like excuse me there's what well i mean is it possible 
I guess it is because it, yeah. you you only need to bribe 179 people. At the end of the day, it's not that many people, and um, the people uh, in power they they literally uh, run the central banks. They can produce as much money as they want, so it's it's not that expensive, I guess. Yeah, I mean, th this is an issue. I mean, that's a that's a massive issue talking about the central bank and how they create money and so on. But um, you know, I I have find this as well. There's a you know, in in the UK, there's four maybe five parties if you include the Scottish Nationalists who dominate Parliament. It's very hard for another party to get in on the system we have in the UK because it's um, first past the post. I mean, maybe it's it's maybe slightly easier for a challenger party in Denmark. I think you have proportional representation, but over the last four years, you know, we they are all, as you say, lockdown, injections, bomb, you know, war, <laughs> accelerate war with Russia and accelerate war with Gaza, even to the point where, you know, I've called for a ceasefire here. And some people say, oh, you're, that's anti-Semitic. I mean, I don't understand how people can call you anti-Semitic and, you know, for, for saying that I don't want more children to be killed do you do you have that in denmark as well yeah I, yeah for sure definitely yeah it, it, it is exactly the same thing and i think it's quite ironic because you had three instances where killing of babies were used politically in in in, in the first world war they said germans were sparing babies to church doors which swayed the overall german uh, pro-german uh, american uh, people to go uh, and join the world war one on the english side and then you had in um, 1991, you had the, the, the famous nurse. She was not a nurse. She was a Kuwaiti princess. She said she was a nurse. She had been trained by um, a huge American um, advertising agency to say, crying, that uh, the Iraqi soldiers took the babies out of the incubators and put them down on the cold hard floor to die. That was the second time. And then, of course, the 40 behead babies uh, on the October 7, uh, 7th, where it turns out that the youngest Israeli uh, who died uh, on, on, that, on, on, on that day was three years old. So that those three instances were used with the mainstream media uh, totally out of proportion. Yeah, uh, you uh, just blow, you know, just keep on repeating this. These three lies, and they they all three have had a very very large political effect for the uh, the global uh, geopolitical situation. And then it's quite ironic that actually right now Israel is killing babies in incubators when they are bombing hospitals. They are literally lying babies in these incubators who are dying because they are being bombed. And you and you have babies having surgery without anesthesia. I mean, because Israel prohibits the delivery of medical supplies. So how can you how can you lie three times to with detrimental effect on the geopolitical situation and then and 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 be caught in these lies? Because we all know that it was a lie in the First World War. It was a lie in the 1991 Gulf, first Gulf War. It was a lie the 7th uh, of October. Even even you can find Israeli mainstream newspapers writing that it cannot mm. be true. So so it's all that. And then they can get away with it this way. It's just uh, absolutely incredible.
there's almost like uh, it's almost like it's it's mind control. And again, we're back what we said before. You, you and yeah. I, when we were younger, we could argue. Will be fun. Yeah, we we disagree in politics, and then we still have a beer and we're we're best friends. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. And I think that's part of the educational system with where mm. we are trained to look at mistakes. It's not about finding. It's not about understanding the other person. Where does he or she come from? It's 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 about finding where where do we disagree? And then no, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, I like what you say, David, but that's that's just a but. And 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 this is how we've been treated for somewhere between twelve and seventeen years, whether we went to university or not. And and that, that's why you can see that the 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 biggest uptake of, of vaccines were the, the academics. Because the yeah. the people with seventy years education, they have the highest percentage of taking the vaccines, whereas the the builders and everybody who was uh, only had uh, nine years education, they they were much smarter and looking through this. Yeah. This doesn't add up. I'm not going to do it. Absolutely, yeah, I do. I totally agree. Look, we're going to take a quick break now, and we'll be back in a minute, and we'll talk much more about these topics. This is today's news talk, TNT. Big news. We do have some big news. Big TNT Radio News. Big news. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. US President Joe Biden has told reporters that he is hopeful a ceasefire in Gaza will be reached by the end of the week. My hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. Riot police have clashed with angry farmers in Belgium as they surrounded the European Union headquarters in Brussels. And the Supreme Court in the Australian state of Queensland has ruled the government's COVID vaccine mandates put in place for police and ambulance workers were unlawful. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Welcome back to the David Curtin Show here on today's News Talk TNT. I'm delighted to have with me still Mads Palspik, who is the leader of the Prosperity Party in Denmark. And we were talking about the things and the issues that have come against us in the last four years. I think we would totally agree on almost everything, that lockdowns were appalling, the injections were neither safe nor effective, that it's completely wrong to get into a war with Ukraine and there should be a ceasefire in Gaza. But it seems that the, the mainstream media, fake stream media, as I call them, and the major political parties are all coalesced together and they're pushing one of these very destructive globalist agendas one after the other after the other. And Mads, how do we fight this? I, I really would like to to um I, I, I think we've had a lot of, of um to, to be blatantly honest, we've had a lot of satanic uh propaganda mm. through Hollywood. And we are forgetting that we are Christians, and Christians mean that we forgive. And I want to say this is very important because what I see is collective punishment started with the treatment of the Germans. No matter whether whether uh, they, they they how many they killed in the in the in the in the in the Holocaust, a lot of Jews died. But I don't want to go into the numbers how many. But when they killed 15 million Germans 
1945, 1949. Is that not enough? When they then paid hundreds of billions of, 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 of dollars in compensation, is that not enough? When is it enough? When do my Jewish friends, and I have a Jewish wife, and I have a lot of tons, therefore I have tons of Jewish friends. I'm a banker, for God's sake. Half my colleagues, not half, but a lot of my colleagues were Jewish. So, I mean, come on, I love those. I love them, uh, all of them. And I mean, could, when can they find it in their heart to say, now enough is enough? Germans, they have paid enough, they have suffered enough. And, and if you look at the Germans alone, that's one thing. You also, had all the, you also have all the white guilt now. We have to suffer illegal immigration, millions of people, and with mm. no matter how what the cost of social cost or the destabilization it can get, because it's our fault with the slavery. That's our fault. And I want to go on. Also, North Korea. So they were every town was leveled. People don't know this. There's not a single house that was left in any town with more than half a million people. America just leveled the whole thing. That's collective punishment. When they flew over little Vietnamese villages, that's collective punishment. When they didn't like Gaddafi for some reason, so, 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 such as he was being very nice to the African nations, paying for their mobile system, he wanted to have a gold dinner. Then they they bombed the Libyan people. So what we have, what we're seeing now, the new world order since 1945 is collective punishment. This is. This is very Old Testament. This is not New Testament. New Testament, mm -hmm. we have a fight. We, 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 we shake hands. We stop and we, you know, like in old days, Denmark and Sweden would fight. And but we didn't go out and kill uh, women and children afterwards. We, would, we, would, we mm -hmm. would lose some of Denmark and they would lose some of Sweden, whatever. But we, it wouldn't go on. Collective punishment killed the entire nation. We didn't do that. The English French didn't do that. Come on. I mean, we need to stop this collective punishment. And that's what we're seeing in Gaza mm. now. You are, you are literally horrific. seeing hundreds of politicians in, in Israel saying that the Palestinians are Amalek, which means they are animals and they should be slaughtered, including babies. So this collective mm. punishment, I think this is a discussion we need to take. We need to reclaim our Christianity and relearn to forgive. Mm. Well, I mean, the West has turned away from Christianity Profoundly, I mean, before perhaps the 1960s, Western Europe, the North America was a profoundly Christian society, but this has been completely undermined, I would say, by deliberately by cultural Marxism and other forces and factors that have tried to to destroy it, destroy it, and destroy the connection that we have with our roots, and our roots are Christian. If we go away from that and we don't act as Christians and we don't forgive people and we go around the world doing collective punishment, like you say, we're going to cause absolute chaos and it's going to come back on us. Um, you know, it's very, very much disturbs me, um, you know, what's happening in Gaza. And one of the things that really disturbs me is how some Christians themselves have been manipulated into supporting the military action in Gaza, the bombing of hospitals and so on, because they consider themselves to be Zionists. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes left. I'm sorry, I wish I had longer to talk. But, I mean, do you do you see that as well among some churches, some Christians are really not speaking or acting in a Christian way because they support Israel, they support this bombing? How are they manipulated into doing this? I think I think that in Denmark and, and America is the same thing. The the, the Christians mm. support uh, they are Zionists so totally. But what I want to say is, they say Israel is the best friend and ally of America. 
What have they ever done to deserve that? And then when we see how much it has cost, the wars since 2008 has cost every American citizen 77,000 US dollars. That is 308,000 US dollars for a family of four. So if you ask the Americans, even if they were Zionist, okay, you are Zionist, you're pro-Israel, but, but do you want to spend 308,000 US dollars since 2008 on bombing, all Israel's enemies. Do you really want to do that? In countries you probably couldn't even find on a map. And we have 60 million Americans on food stamps right now. Millions are homeless. The, the inner cities are destroyed. There's potholes in every single road. The educational system in America is absolutely appalling, unless you're super wealthy. And the same goes for the health system. So, excuse me, they, every single American could own, have owned their house without a mortgage mm -hmm. if they had not been been uh, hoodwinked into bombing whoever Israel yeah. and the U.S. citizen-controlled U.S. Congress said yeah. they should bomb. Absolutely. It doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make any common sense whatsoever. And uh, there's massive manipulation to do this. And I, I, I fear because some people can see through this, but it, it seems out of people's control um, to, to be able to do anything about it. Uh, uh, we're out of time, unfortunately, but Mads, it's wonderful to have you on the show. I'd love to carry on talking more to you because there's so much more that we could say and, and perhaps get into what we can do about it. We've identified a problem. We need to solve the problem. And I, you know, and, and all, um, you know, God bless you uh, for everything you're doing with the Prosperity Party in Denmark. I hope you can get into the parliament and uh, do some good things there. Thank you so I much, Mads Carlsberg. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Mads. And this is today's News Talk TNT. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The weather across the United States has turned exactly opposite what I thought it would turn. It's become very, very warm. Now, the reason this is happening is because the water around Australia has warmed dramatically and unpredictably warmed dramatically. And this creates a different phase of the Madden-Julian oscillation than what I anticipated happening before the winter. You see, the computer models, and we have to use them to look at sea surface temperatures, weren't predicting anything like this. This sudden warming happened in January, but not be from man-made sources. It had to be something natural going on that we don't know about. In any case, people are blaming climate change. I have no problem with that. The climate is changing. It's been changing. It will always change. But when people start saying you are a denier, all they're doing is using ad hominem attacks to try to equate you with the miserable people that denied what happened in the Holocaust. And that should raise red flags as to what these people are all about. Climate change is real. It is 99.9% .9 natural, and the impact of man has very little to do with it. And there is no denying that. This is T. NT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. On a virtual road, you can test the limits of your driving ability to see how fast you can go under the most extreme conditions, like when it's dark, when the weather's bad, or when the unexpected happens. The higher the speed, the harder the impact. But driving isn't a game or a race. When you're on the road, just 10 miles per hour over the limit can mean the difference between life and death. You're responsible for people's lives and your own. Slow down and save lives. You're with David Curtin on today's News Talk TNT. 
Welcome back to the David Curtin Show here on today's News Talk TNT. And it's wonderful to have with me now Trevor Fitzgibbon, who is the um, on the board of directors of The Intelligencer, which is a wonderful uh, media outlet that gives you truth about what's going on, and also president of Silent Partner. Um, welcome to the show, Trevor. Hey, thank you very much for having me. That's great. I mean, you know, last week was the hearing for of Julian Assange, and I know that's something that you've written a lot about, in, and as uh, the intelligencer has been talking about a lot. And uh, you know, we we focused on that lots last week, but we we mustn't lose the attention on what's going on there because they had a hearing over two days. They're going to come back with the outcome in a few weeks' time. But, you know, the danger is that we we move on, the stories come, the news cycle moves on, and we forget about um, Julian Assange until something happens. And I really hope that they, they you know, the, the decision they make is good, but um, the chances of that with the judges we have, you know, it's not certain. Um, you know, what, what, what do you think will happen um, with the hearing? Have you got any thoughts about... Um, what happened with the hearing last week and anything that was said there? Yes, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think TNT is one of the most vital news outlets in the world today um, to bring truth out there and, and to get get the facts and to do what the intelligencer.today, uh, for folks who want to check it out, um, intelligencer.today. It's one of the missions of the intelligencer is to dismantle information operations so that we can get to the truth and get get the truth out to the public in regards to what actually is happening as opposed to what governments and corporations want to tell us is happening. Um, I think that the, the, the case, you know, I represented uh, Chelsea Manning for years. I represented uh, uh, Julian Assange uh, for years in the United States as his USPR representative, uh, and now I'm representing um, some of his American attorneys here in the U.S. as they are suing the CIA for violating their Fourth Amendment rights in the Southern District of New York. And it's an important case that could have incredible uh, bearing in, in regards to uh, the extradition of Julian Assange. Um, First, let me just speak about the extradition and where that is. Um, I think that, um, you know, first of all, he has incredible attorneys led by uh, a, a wonderful woman named Jennifer Robinson, uh, who's in London. But um, as I as I have been following this and in, in, in speaking to folks in London, uh, the situation is that uh, the defense really, you know, Julian's attorneys really um, uh, leveled some some a, a defense and some positions that that the, that took the judges that the judges are appear to be taking quite seriously, which is uh, the U.S. government and, and the U.S. attorneys could not guarantee that he would not be charged with the death penalty. Number one, uh, and number two, uh, on the freedom of speech issues, press freedom issues, when. Um, uh, when when the UK judges asked the American attorneys whether or not uh, in in the in in the UK whether or not somebody you know published classified information national security information whether or not they would be protected or whether or not they would be charged the US couldn't couldn't answer that couldn't say yes or no and I think that gave the UK court some pause and um, so initially what we thought was going to kind of be just sealed shut done he's extradited i think they they actually now are really 
considering the the huge ramifications of such a ruling. Mm. Simultaneous to this in the United States, um, Margaret Ratner Kunstler, Deb Herbeck, two incredible attorneys and uh, you know, Margaret's, uh, Margaret has been one of Julian's uh, U.S. attorneys for quite some time. Um, they have sued the CIA and initially also Mike Pompeo because as it has, we have learned through the media and media reports and through a Spanish court, uh, as it turns out, under the Trump administration, uh, the United States and the CIA was not only surveilling everybody who went inside the Ecuadorian embassy to meet with Julian, including his American attorneys discussing his case. But on top of it, there was a, what we believe is an illegal search and seizure. Um, they were taking the cell phones and the computers of Julian's American attorneys and journalists and anybody who went in there. And they were copying all of the information on these, these electronic devices and sending it straight back to the CIA in Washington, DC. Um, and that's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. And, um, you know, the CIA initially uh, tried filed a motion to dismiss. And in, in almost every other circumstance, you know, the judge, the judge would go along with the CIA. In this case, they, the judge did not. And he is allowing for the lawsuit to move forward. Now, we will know in April whether or not the CIA decides to invoke the state secrets privilege. And in order to do that, they need sign off from Merrick Garland, the U.S. Attorney General. They also need sign off from William Burns, who is the director of the CIA. Um, and even if they do invoke that, we don't know if the judge will permit it. So we'll know in April where this goes. If it turns out that our case moves forward and that the CIA is found violating the Fourth Amendment, Fourth Amendment rights of the American attorneys, it's going to I think, you know, really make for this unprecedented showdown on the on press freedoms and, and journalism globally, mm. because the idea that the United States, who has admitted to wanting to, to plotting to assassinate and kill Julian Assange, to surveilling his attorneys, the idea that they could prosecute Julian Assange is unheard of. And it's it's, it's quite shocking. And, you know, who knows if the Biden administration wants to deal with this in an election year. So mm. that's where we're at with it, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, no, that, thank you. I mean, that that is a really good summary and very detailed summary of what's going on in the case. And it gives me hope that actually the judges didn't just immediately dismiss um, Julian Assange's uh, attorneys and his case for uh, being able to continue to appeal. So hopefully he will not be extradited. He will have leave to appeal. And ultimately that he should be set free because if he is deemed not to be, you know, fit to send back to the United States where they, they can't guarantee that he won't receive the death penalty, well, then what else can they do with him? They, they need to set him free. But um, well, I want to ask you another question. Sorry, go, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, the bottom line is, if the United States can prosecute a foreign publisher under an American law for publishing factual documents, then no journalist is safe. Not in the United States, not internationally, no one is safe. That, that gives the United States jurisdiction over the whole world, essentially, which is a complete departure from what we're used it's to. It's ludicrous. 
you know, mm. I, and, it, and it's fascinating when you look at the kind of the, the neocons that are the makeup of the Biden administration, State Department and, and foreign policy, um, uh, such as Newland and, and, and others. I mean, you know, there is this this incredible fear on part of the United States, it would it would seem uh, that we are in a multipolar world. They don't want that. Mm. They want a unipolar world. They want the United States to be the most dominant country in the world and to control everything. So the idea mm. that other countries are challenging that and we're in a multipolar world, um, it's, it, we were seeing that play out legally as well with this case. Mm. The U.S. wants to pretend to, 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 to control from legal to human rights to democracy, everything. And it's just not yeah, that way. This brings to mind something I've heard of, which is the plan for a new American century. Now, I've heard of this document. I don't know too much about it, but apparently in the 1990s or so, and where the people were fearing power going out from the United States to other countries and this multipolar world was going to develop, that um, some people got together, neocons, and they developed this plan. And that the idea of this was things that they need to do in order to keep American hegemony all the way through the 21st century. I mean, am I, am I, is this true? Am I right in this or is, well, is that sort of not true? So it's so it's so interesting. Um, I mean, you're totally right. And, and uh, you know, for eight years, many of us fought against the Bush administration in the run up to the war in Iraq and throughout the Iraq war. And um, this this whole notion of of uh, preemptive strikes and, you know, taking people out before we get attacked. And, um, you know, the Democrats, you know, for those eight years, really used that uh, and fought against that and used that as um, one of the defining factors that that uh, supposedly um, uh, differentiated, you know, John Kerry, who was running against George Bush. Uh, Obama, you know, Obama said he wasn't going to do this and, and et cetera. And, and with the Biden administration and, and with the Obama administration, too, what we've seen is, is the exact opposite. Um, you know, I mean, for example, with the Obama administration, uh, you know, many people don't realize, mm. but there were more drone strikes, more targeted killings, targeted assassinations, uh, many with questionable legal uh, legal authority. Um, under the Obama administration than there ever was under the Bush administration. We look today with Ukraine and the United States literally baiting Russia into a war and the, just the continued uh, 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 just blowing off the Russia never to expand NATO. Um, I think we're dealing with an administration and the State Department some people in there that literally feel like they can get and do whatever they want whenever they want to and that mm. precedent doesn't matter international law doesn't matter international law only means something if it helps the united states but when it goes against what their wishes are they don't need it and um we'll see how this plays mm. out i want to hope and and, and i want to believe that biden wants to do the right thing and maybe he's, you know, maybe he'll be free to do so. But uh, I increasingly just really, I'm, I'm not too 
convinced of that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me, you know, what we call a bait and switch. Obama obviously said he wasn't going to go to war. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize before I think he never had a few well, months in office. And then he goes and starts more wars than, uh, well, <laughs> than and, you and could then, ever imagine. Right. And, and, then, and then on top of it, you know, I mean, so much was made over the myth that Russia was responsible for the DNC leak and, and mm. the, the emails you know, uh, between Hillary and the, the DNC that WikiLeaks published, which I do not believe that that Russia was responsible for that. I, I think that was an internal link. Um, but, uh, you know, all hell was raised in the United States when you watch Rachel Maddow and television, Russian hacking, Russian mm -hmm. hacking. You know, many people don't understand that, for instance, with Ukraine, one of the reasons we are where we are is because the United States went in and helped to orchestrate the coup in 2014 that yeah. took out the democratically elected president of Ukraine, who was corrupt, but the person was democratically elected. So, mm. um, you know, we, we like to complain a lot about things that we we uh, we claim are being are happening to us. Yet it's it's just projecting because we're actually doing these things literally to yeah. other countries. I think, you know, most people watching this channel will realize that this is actually the truth of things. Uh, you know, a, a contrary to what most of the governments in NATO are saying and the mainstream media are saying, that Putin woke up one morning in 2022 and decided to invade Ukraine, and he's the devil. I mean, that actually was started by the West in 2014. And also, you could also argue that the West agreed verbally not to expand nato to the east but they've done that five times and now they're trying to get ukraine into nato which is um yeah against putin's that's right. his red line he's not going to let that it, happen it like we just got united... three minutes left sorry we've got, right. sorry we've only got three minutes left but but go on and say what you want to say about no, the it, situation. It would be like in the, it'd be like in the united states if if china or russia wanted to you know have military agreements with mexico or canada and put mm. nukes on the border like, like the idea that we would allow that is absurd. Mm. Absolutely. There's a NATO and EU conference today. All the leaders are gathering and they're talking about putting troops on the ground in Ukraine. Um, but apparently the, the Slovak prime minister, so Robert Fico, has said the war is not going well for the West. And Russia is softening up the front line everywhere. And it's looking like it's going to break through. Um, Ukraine's run out of ammo. Ukraine's run right. out of manpower. How do you and see it developing? Well, and this is where the information operations, mm. they, they only last so long. They can only mm. long as reality as, until reality catches up with it. And then the public and the world can see the truth. And right now, the United States, the West has been told repeatedly that Russia is getting destroyed. Ukraine is winning. Uh, we're, we're about, you know, Putin is on his last legs. Putin's about to die of cancer or have a stroke or whatever. He, nobody likes him in Russia. And it's just completely the opposite. And now reality on the ground in Ukraine has caught up to the information operation. Yeah. If you go to the intelligencer today, you can learn a lot more about this stuff. Uh, we have an all-star cast of editors and, 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 and a board like George Eliasson, who's one of the, the, the top war correspondents in the world. And he's based in the Donbass and has lived with uh, what's been happening in Ukraine on a daily basis.
Yeah, um, um, fantastic. So I, I think everyone should look at your uh, website, Intelligence Adopt Today, to to get some more information. You do lots of written articles. You have videos on there as well about everything that's going on. I mean, you, you know, j just finally, one one thing we haven't really touched about. We got onto. We got a couple of minutes, uh, and the situation in Israel and Gaza. What are your thoughts about that? Just quickly. Um, I think that. Uh, I think it's been going on for a long, long time, mm. but I think that, um, anybody who, who denies that this is a genocide uh, is denying reality. And um, yeah, so I, I would agree with you as well. I mean, I, I think that we have to call this out and, you know, what happened on the 7th of October was dreadful, but what's happened since then is even worse. And, you know, all, well, what all happened I'm on calling the 6th for of October yeah exactly i mean it's all, all they want is just for people to not be killed and uh, i i certainly don't think the west should be financing this and escalating the wars thank you so much for joining me trevor on the show that's all we got time for today i hope you'll come thank back you, this is today's thank you so much this is today's news talk tnt mm -hmm.